Welcome to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. I'm your host, Timmy G, providing your weekly dose of insight and inspiration for mental and emotional well-being. Are you ready for your weekly brain bath? Let's go. Mental health news from around the globe. I'm your host, Timmy G, diving into the news for today. This article from the Star, Mind Power, 10 Tips for Student Mental Health. Jessica Bonaventure had a problem with perfection. She recalls, I was your picture-perfect girl. The University of Guelph psychology student in her last year of high school, had top grades, plenty of friends, sang in a vocal program, and was a star player on the rugby team. She says, there were lots of awards and accomplishments and nothing tragic ever happened in my life. I liked excelling. And she often put pressure on herself to try and do better all the time. And then one day the pressure got to her. Depression hit me like a truck when I was in grade 12. I felt like crying all the time. Boaventure was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. Over the next several years, she received therapy, tried various medications, and was even hospitalized for two brief periods when her mental state reached a crisis point. Throughout it all, she managed to stay in school. She's now heading into her fourth year, and she credits her family, especially her mom, as well as the on-campus mental health supports at uh, the University of Guelph for keeping her on track. I've learned to be proactive about my mental health. Otherwise, I really struggle, says Boaventure, age 20. During my first year of university, I didn't reach out as much as I should have, and so things were a challenge. Now I recognize the signs. Heading off to college or university can represent both the best and the worst times of, uh, for young people. Just as they are opening the door to increased freedom, new learning opportunities, and new social connections, they're also at risk for the onset or worsening of mental health issues. This can be exacerbated by homesickness, the pressure to excel, the stress of multiple assignments, and feeling ill-equipped to navigate the world as they set out on their own. Depression and anxiety are on the rise on campuses across the country. One thing is certain, today's youth are under more pressure than ever before. But Stephen Lewis, a psychology professor at the University of Guelph, whose research specialty is self-injury among youth, and who himself struggled with depression when he was a university student, says it's important for students to remember there are things they can do to persevere. He goes on to say, Sadness and anxiety and other difficult emotional experiences are part of the human experience. We can't avoid these emotions. Students feel isolated if they think they shouldn't be struggling. What they need to do, says Lewis, is figure out how to take care of themselves when they struggle. So here are some suggestions. Number one, remember the basics. Get enough sleep, eat well, and exercise regularly. Sounds simple, right? But when students arrive on campus, they often stay up too late, subsist on a diet of pop and pizza, and forego working out or playing sports. Good mental health is built on top of these basic habits. When one goes, it can put everything else in jeopardy, says Dr. Megan Davis, a Hamilton family physician. She adds that parents who model these positive self-care strategies can influence their kids to do the same. Number two, access student services. Denise Boaventure, Jessica's mom, made sure her daughter connected with student accessibility services the summer before she started university. Every university offers some support these days, but what Guelph has is truly outstanding, she says. 
Jessica was even able to move in a week before school started to help prevent her from being overwhelmed by the transition. Academic accommodations, special arrangements for students with mental health issues, which allow for added time to complete assignments and exams, are proliferating on campuses. In addition to being given extra time to write exams in a quiet room, Boaventure benefited from the assistance of peer helpers who provide academic coaching, as well as one-on-one -on -one counseling, group counseling sessions on stress management, and cognitive behavior therapy techniques, and the presence of therapy dogs, which offer a mood boost during exam time. The counselors have been a godsend, as has been my peer helper, she says. Once when I had three midterms scheduled over three days, she managed to get two of them moved. Number three, focus on the positive. According to Davis, we've inherited a negative bias that dates from prehistoric days when we were wired to be alert for danger in order to survive. That's why we need to work on rewiring the brain to see the positives. It's important for students to find things that turn off their flight, fight or flight reaction and turn on their rest and repair reaction. One of the best ways to maintain positive attitude is with a gratitude practice. For example, writing down three things you are thankful for every day. Another is acts of kindness. It can be as simple as cleaning up the dishes for your roommates. Number four, maintain social connections. They may be surrounded by thousands of fellow students, but it's not unusual to feel lonely on campus especially if kids are homesick for, f uh, for family, friends, or a boyfriend or girlfriend back home. Texting your child is an easy way to let him know you're thinking of him. Quick checks are okay, even though sometimes it may seem as though the student is annoyed. They really do need to know their parents are there for them, says Lewis. The most important thing is for parents to be accessible. Parents should take the initiative to check in. Don't wait for your kid to do it. Participating in clubs, joining the school gym, and living in a residence learning community where students taking similar programs live in close proximity can also help enhance social ties. Number five, lighten the load. Lewis says taking a year off before going to grad school was one of the best things he's done for his mental health. He says, I needed time for self-care to rebuild myself. I wanted to maximize my chances for success versus feeling overwhelmed and vulnerable and having everything fall apart. Similarly, when Boaventure wanted to drop out during her first year of university, she reduced her workload from five courses to three. I could do a full course load and suffer, and my grades wouldn't be as good, or I could take fewer classes, do better, and feel less stress. Number six use an agenda to stay on track. Daily to-do lists in her agenda help Boaventure prior prioritize what needs to get done. Prevents me from being overwhelmed, she says. Lewis adds that it's important to schedule uh, downtime. University can be demanding and stress-inducing, so it's important to put time in your weekly schedule to do things for yourself. Number seven, watch for warning signs. When all this came crashing down, I was blown away. I didn't see the signs at the time, but they were there, says Denise, of her daughter's mental health challenges that began in grade 12. In rest retrospect, she noticed Jessica going out less frequently with friends, not sleeping well, and taking less care with her appearance. As for Lewis, when he was in his fourth year at Dalhousie, his depression was so severe he contemplated suicide. When his mother phoned him and sensed the despair in his voice, she flew from Toronto to Halifax to see him. My parents knew from my visit home the summer before that I was struggling with depression, and when they called, they could tell things weren't right. He wasn't talkative, he was losing weight, withdrawing. They had the sense I was in a dark place, he says. Number eight, consider how you communicate. Sometimes parents want to jump in and try to fix things, but often the more powerful thing is just listening. Ask the student what it's like for them. How does the stress impact them? Whether it gets in the way of sleeping or socializing, and how you can work together to help them manage stress. Number nine, 
Build Healthy Habits. Campus Life presents plenty of opportunities to engage in unhealthy behaviors such as binge drinking and taking drugs. And studies show the more time young people spend on social media, the greater their chances of depression. If you smoke marijuana all the time, you will be sad. If you are on social media all the time, it can lead to comparisons that make you unhappy, says Dr. Davis. Your life is made up of what you pay attention to, so choose wisely. For Boaventure, exercise is an important mood booster, and she tries to be active every day by doing hot yoga, going for a run, bike ride, or taking a Zumba class. She's also selective about her circle of friends and surrounds herself with positive people. For Lewis, running regularly, playing ultimate frisbee, and journaling were habits that served him well. Journaling allowed me to give a voice to a lot of the things that had been silenced for so long. It was incredibly cathartic and powerful to get it all down on paper. And number 10, talk openly about mental health issues. Stigma and shame still play a huge role. If mental health issues aren't discussed openly, it stifles any thought students might have of coming forward. Parents can learn to communicate with their kids in such a way as to allow these kinds of conversations to happen. Denise Boaventure talked to health professionals such as therapists and psychiatric nurses to understand the best way to engage with her daughter. One of the things I stopped doing was asking Jessica why she was crying. That just frustrated her because she didn't know herself. Instead, I asked how I could help and what might lift her mood. I changed how I was talking to her. Boaventure, who is president of the University of Guelph's Student Psychology Club, has also done her part to bring mental health issues into the open by helping organize a suicide awareness and prevention dinner, as well a day-long mental health conference on campus. She has also taken the university's Safe Talk Alertness training program to become a suicide alert helper. She says she's in a good place now. I'm in maintenance mode and I know I need to keep doing what I'm doing to ensure my mood stays up. One of the best indications of her improvement is the fact that Boaventure is singing again and she stopped singing for three years and then one last uh, last summer all of a sudden she just decided to start again. I'd always told her that things would get better, her mom says, and she says, Mom, you were right. It is better. Uh, the scope of the problem. Depression and anxiety are affecting post-secondary students at alarming rates, making mental health one of the most challenging issues on campus today. You are listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. In 2017, CFRC Radio celebrates 95 years of creating campus community radio in Kingston, Ontario. Over the last 95 years, CFRC's governance has evolved. Once supervised by Queen's University and later by Queen's Alma Mater Society, since 2014, CFRC has been an independent, self-governing, not-for-profit organization. Its board of directors has representation from Queen's University, the AMS and SGPS, CFRC Radio Club, and the Kingston community. Learn more about CFRC, Canada's longest-running campus and community radio station at cfrc.ca. Telephone Aid Line Kingston is a crisis, distress, befriending, and information listening service based in Kingston. Talk is confidential, non-judgmental, and anonymous. We are a safe place to call when you don't know where to turn. To reach our aid line between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m., call 613-544-1771. For volunteering information, please email talkrecruitment at gmail.com. You're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. This from billboard.com. Proximity, the digital dance curator and newly minted record label is launching a save charity campaign to promote mental health awareness. Proximity founder Blake Coppelson goes on to say this was inspired by Avicii's passing but also to the many people who see suicide as their only way of dealing with their depression, anxiety, and other diseases that they are struggling with. He says I wanted to start this charity to create more awareness around suicide because I have the opportunity to use my platform for something positive 
and this has affected me personally. To date, Proximity has amassed nearly 7.5 million subscribers and more than 3 billion views on its YouTube channel, in addition to building a loyal fan base across social media and other platforms such as Spotify. District owner Josh Carr Hilton says the importance of openly communicating and acknowledging the severity of issues facing mental health in the music industry can't be overstated. Amazing organizations like Save.org share the tools and resources necessary to help all of us better understand the very difficult conversation surrounding suicide suicide prevention. He adds, too often our idols stand in the spotlight all the while quietly showing signs of the struggles they face internally. Those cues can be easily washed out by the happy screams of thousands of adoring fans and the immense workload it requires to perform at such a high level. Masked by the excitement of success only to be diagnosed too late resulting in the worst possible outcome. Anxiety, depression, and suicide are issues that everyone, whether in the spotlight or in their own home, face. Sharing this amazing campaign with the community that supports proximity hopefully can help those in need to get the help and the support they desperately deserve. Those interested in donating to the fund can go to uh, proximity, check out uh, limited edition SAVE shirts, with 100% of the proceeds being given to save.org. You're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. Let's get personal. Our Talk feature interview. cfrc.ca if you want to access past episodes of talk you can simply check the archives at cfrc.ca or you can go to the cfrc network just key that into your browser and talk with timmy g will come up this is a new podcast project that was launched earlier this year and talk with timmy g is on there with about a dozen episodes or so that you can readily access easily one click of a button so today I'm gonna to share a little bit more about some things that have happened for me in this past year we usually do an interview with a professional or somebody sharing their personal story at this point in the show but I felt as we kick off September a new series of shows and as I look back on the last eight to ten months it's been a very significant year for me in terms of better understanding myself and some of the things that have come up now for any of you uh, that follow the show or know me in some other capacity you will know that the reason I decided to start this show was because there's a lot of people struggling with a lot of things today and I don't know if it's that years and years or decades and decades ago we didn't talk about it as much or with social media we didn't hear about it as much what people are going through or if there just wasn't issues affecting people back then in the way that they are now it's hard to really assess what the reason is for the I guess you could call epidemic of mental health issues that seem to have plagued seem to plague the uh, campus college and university campuses but also the workplace and a lot of people taking time off work stress leave sick leave because they just are carrying too much on their shoulders or they don't have the skills to deal with what is in front of them and so there's been a huge push over the last five years anyway on developing resilience this is one of the the buzzwords that are out there across school boards and so forth 
to help young people develop the resilience for dealing with life. And I think that's great. I think we need to be teaching people, young people, as soon as we can about their emotions and how to navigate their emotions and manage their emotions, learn from their emotions. And so there are techniques and strategies, different things that we can implement in our lives, and the sooner we get started on that, uh, the better. And yet, there are many people that I know, many people that I've interviewed, worked with, counseled, coached, who would look back on their childhood and and assess and conclude that they had mostly a normal childhood, maybe a few significant or semi-traumatic experiences, but nothing major in their in their view. And yet, contending with life as an adult these days seems to be a tall order. And so, whether that means they never developed the skills growing up, or some other reason, uh, there's a lot to be learned. And so this past year for me was another example of contending with some things that came up that I didn't expect. And you, you can't expect, you can't plan for certain things in your life. Life just happens. What's John Lennon say? Life's what happens when you're busy doing other things or something to that effect. So for those of you who have followed the show or know me in some other capacity, uh, you'll know that in 2008 I had a nervous breakdown. And so I call it a nervous breakdown because most people understand what that is, but I prefer to look at it as a dark night of the soul. And I have a very firm belief that uh, we have a soul, and our soul is evolving through this life, and it is meant to experience certain things. And some things we cannot change. We cannot, we cannot change some elements of the trajectory of our lives, but what we can do is have a lot of influence and control over how we experience those things. So when I look back on my nervous breakdown slash dark night of the soul, this deep period of understanding the forces that make me tick, the pain from the past, any fears of the future that I had, all of these things came crashing down at once. And assessing them and working your way through something like that requires a tremendous amount of patience and courage and energy. Sometimes you just don't have those things. You get exhausted, you feel burnt out, tired, sick of it all. And at some point within, deep within, there needs to be a spark or a regeneration of something co to compel you to begin to care again, to begin to choose differently, to begin to learn from your experiences. And so, as I look over the past 10 months, and having, the hinds having hindsight from my previous situation and all that that I learned from that and and document in a book that I wrote about my journey through that that four to five year period um, and I will mention anybody that shows up to the free mindwell group that I facilitate at 1111 Taylor Kid Boulevard St. Paul the Apostle Rumi every Thursday 7 to 8 30 p.m. anybody that shows up to that group uh, we'll get a free copy of my book just for showing up, even if you never come back to the group. Um, it's part of the work that we are doing at St. Paul, and we want to make resources uh, available to people who need them and to not have cost be a barrier to people accessing things that could be helpful. So, moving forward with the hindsight that I gained many years ago, I now see that it 
prepared me for this past 10 months. And part of what came down this in this past 10 months was, I would call it a depression, but I don't know if that does it justice, because I think the word depression, anxiety, these, these terms are thrown around so often these days to describe our emotional states, and often they are apt descriptors, but sometimes they, they're just labels that don't do justice to the complexity of what we are contending with as complex human beings. And so in assessing this period that I went into this past year, I had just come off last fall, about a year ago this time, the release of a music video that I had uh, worked with uh, Lucas Wang, who is a film student at Queen's University. We collaborated on this project. He did all of the filming for the video uh, for a song that I wrote called One Day. You can go to my YouTube channel, Forgiveness G, and check out the video for One Day. But we completed and launched that video back in uh, November of 2017. And I certainly can't relate it necessarily to giving birth because I'm a man and I've never given birth. I have a wife and she's given birth to our two beautiful daughters. So I've been witness only <laughs> visually to what, uh, how intense that process is and sounds. But I think also there is, for creative people, artists, there is an ebb and flow to the creative process and when we give birth to something, some type of art that is a deep piece of ourselves, that once that is released and out in the world, there can be this lull afterwards or this come down uh, that is difficult to contend with. And so that was the exact thing that happened to me around this time last year. We released a video, a video that I'm very proud of, a song that I wrote that's very deep and uh, inspiring at the same time for people who are struggling with something. And yet, after releasing it, I started to slip into a state of, kind of a general state of apathy and my my will to continue doing the things that I was doing was very much being challenged. And so, as I look back now on that time and in the subsequent months that passed and how long that period lasted for, and usually in the past, prior to 2008, the version of me that would deal with problems in my life, I would just switch gears, compartmentalize, numb out with drugs or alcohol, uh, all of those things would be distractors to help me deal with whatever displeasant situation I was experiencing. And I could just turn it off. And I didn't want to do that this time. There was a part of me that was still aware enough through the last 10 months or so in which I knew that I needed to allow myself to feel the depths and the intensity of what was coming up for me. And it was not not pleasant at all. It was it was a it was a it was a heavy depressive time. And yet if you are someone who has begun to or has been cultivating the view in your life that there is a purpose to these states that they're just not not necessarily medical abnormalities that need to be suddenly fixed, that there is a deep learning and a deep level of understanding that can come from not being so willing to turn off the suffering. There is a purpose at times to suffering. And so if we are brave and we are courageous, and we are willing to sit in that fire for a little while, then we will begin to see the beauty and the fruits that come from that process. 
And so I didn't want to just rush and turn it off, tell myself I was fine. I wanted to be with it. And that was, that's kind of a new thing. And I've learned that as we continue to walk this life, I'm 42 years old and I've had my share of uh, states, periodic states or lulls of dealing with this very deep and meaningful experience of life where you're kind of wrestling with yourself inwardly and maybe you're wrestling with God, you're wrestling with life, you feel that there's been a grave injustice in your life and that you shouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing with. That speaks very loudly to the the notion that we have certain expectations, which is normal in life, it's important to have expectations, but if our expectations are organized in a certain way as we are approaching and walking through our lives, and if those expectations aren't met in the way that we expect, we reach a crossroads. And at that crossroads, we have to decide, am I going to attach and cling to my perceived sense of injustice and hold on to this state until someone comes along and validates me in the way that I feel is right and proper and necessary. And that can go on for a very long time. And we can stay stuck with that state for a very long time if that's the path that we choose. And usually there's a period where we stay on that path for a period of time until we come to recognize, wow, nobody's coming. I'm waiting for somebody to come and give me permission or validate or create a sense of justice for me. And nobody's showing up. So that has the effect of continuing to feed this this deep well within us where we feel slighted and we feel hurt and we're not willing to let this go until someone comes to fix it. So that's one path. And, we, and the first time you set out down that path, you can frequently hold on to that for a long time because that's the first time and there hasn't been any frame of reference for learning how to manage that path. And so you stick clinging, you cling, you cling until one day somebody either says to you, hey, you need to snap out of it. Or you yourself recognize, I am, I am, poise, I am poison. I am walking through life and I am a bowl of poison and I need to change this because this is not working. And so the next time this comes up, where you have expectations about how life is supposed to turn out, and it doesn't quite turn out that way, it doesn't get met that way, the job you wanted, the relationship, the whatever, doesn't quite satisfy your sense of uh, how you've organized your expectations, that frame of reference from before should inform you now so that you can realize, okay, don't like what I'm feeling, I'm going to be with it for a little bit, need to give myself permission to be angry, frustrated, pissed off, whatever it is. But at some point, I have to resolve this and be willing to move forward and let it go. So that previous thing informs you. But if you don't have that previous, previous frame of reference, then it's, it's very likely to stay stuck that first time around. Or when you're at that crossroads, you decide that... Um, Okay, so my expectations weren't met. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I'm I'm not happy. I'm not happy with this person. I'm not happy with how that went. It can't be changed. What am I going to do about it? And so, in reflecting on it, you can make a decision to get back on that horse and keep moving forward. And so emotional maturity is in one direction and the maintenance of emotional immaturity or lack of maturation is remaining clinging to something when we know 
inwardly we know, deep down we know, that we need to figure out how to let this go, talk to a friend, talk to the person, talk to your pastor, go to a counselor, see a therapist, whatever it may be for you, that we need to let it go and start to start the process of moving on. And it is a process. It's not just black and white, feeling this thing today and now I'm all good and everything's perfect again. We have to allow ourselves time to move from one state to another. There is a transition, a healthy transitioning that has to occur. And so as I look back over this past year, I slipped into a state, knew I was slipping into a state, allowed myself to consciously go into this state and learn from whatever it was that the depth of life was wanting to reveal to me through that. And so it hasn't been easy. And there's been times where I didn't want to, I didn't want to continue with the things that I was doing. I mean, I'm a father, a husband, two beautiful daughters, a beautiful wife. I have projects that I'm working on. I have this radio show. I work. So there's a lot of life is rich in that regard. There's many textures and layers to the fabric and, and the tapestry of life. And some days it's more beautiful than I can comprehend. And other days it feels like it's the worst sentencing that we've been granted is to be a, a human being. The, the suffering and the burden of what it is to be a human being can be so difficult at times that it doesn't seem worth worth it to keep going. But my I guess my message to you today is that there is a purpose to your suffering. And if you will if you will wade through it long enough, and I don't mean like suffer without any supports in your life, get layers of support in your life and set them up. But if you will be with the suffering and and and, and take an orientation toward it that it has some wisdom to reveal to you and that wisdom once revealed is going to make the next leg of your journey going to make you that much more capable of not only manifesting the things in your life that you want to accomplish but managing this type of situation when it inevitably arises again and so there's a double fold benefit to you being willing to be brave and to be with it. And the reality is is if you're tr if you're troubled by something right now and you feel that you, you don't see that there's a way for it to change. I want to encourage you to allow the possibility that that is a part of you that is speaking that is afraid and not viewing the world and yourself from a full healthy perspective so if you will allow that that's possible then there's there's other elements to your view that need to be considered and once you consider those things then you will begin to see and remind yourself that you have value and that the world will be less if you are not here that you have come here for a specific reason you have specific gifts to apply and to share to make the world a better place. And if you make the decision to check out, either emotionally or completely, then the people around you become less, the world becomes less, and the beauty and the grace and the dignity and the courage and the bravery and the, the, the talents that you are meant to spread throughout your environments and your community that cannot take place but it needs to take place because that is why you're here so if you have a mission and a purpose which you do nothing is insignificant everything is purposeful in this life including you then you need to take that very seriously and you need to start asking yourself the question okay I'm feeling crappy. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what I'm feeling. I don't like 
some of the relationships in my life. I don't like the grades that I just got. I don't like the way that my boss just talked to me. I don't like the way that my spouse just talked to me. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is, difficult situations, begin to ask yourself some questions. Do I have support in my life at this time? And I'm not talking about like one friend to talk to. I'm talking about a healthy social network, activities that you're involved in, getting outside your room, your house, your apartment, and getting out into the world and seeing people, being social, getting off social media and talking to actual people without the interface between you and another human, the picture of another human being. Do you have supports? Do you have professional supports that you can lean on when you need extra help? A counselor, a social worker, a therapist, doctor, whatever it is. And so when we're feeling in a healthy state, we need to make and be proactive, make these connections and set these supports up in our lives so that when things do start to tank a little bit, We've got things in place already as a safety net for us. But the message here is, ultimately, your expectations through life are going to continuously be tested, chipped at, eaten away. And the question becomes, are you going to be flexible enough through the transition of that experience to... adjust your expectations and and create find a sense of peace with what is ever whatever's gone on so that you can pick up and continue and continue to get stronger through your life and here's the thing there was an article that I shared earlier about that college university student at Guelph that she was the picture, picture perfect girl and we have a big problem in our society with perfection a lot of people feel they need to be perfect, and so they set out to accomplish something. It doesn't get accomplished perfectly the first time, and so emotionally we don't have the fortitude or the staying power to stick with that, and so we give up or we get down on ourselves, we're hard on ourselves because it wasn't done perfectly the first time. And so we have to be amenable and amenable and flexible with our expectations of life and other people and ourselves in order to continue to grow and get stronger through life. So I hope this message is helpful for you in some way. And as I continue to grow through this past year and understand what it's meant for me, I see that I have continuously been given an opportunity. So even though we're going through difficult times, we're still granted opportunities throughout that period to still have good things in our life, to still accomplish our dreams, to still pursue the job or the relationship that we are desiring. And... I welcome any questions or comments if you have any or you're going through something that sounds similar to what I've gone through you can certainly email me at info at forgivenessg.com and I'd be happy to answer your question or if you have a story that you want to share on the air whether you want to share it yourself or you'd like me to share share it for you. You can email me and we can connect that way and set up a time to do that. Part of this show is featuring people, inspiring stories of people who have gone through something and have made it through it and are continuing on the path. They are continuing to fight for the life that they want and continuing to believe in their goodness and the goodness of other people. The people that come on this show and share their story, it's, it's not because they have figured something out that you don't know about 
and now their life is is perfect again and everything everyone rides off into the sunset that's not what it's for the purpose of having people share their story is to share what they've learned during this stage of the journey and it's 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 not it's not perfect there's they're still struggling even though they're better they're still dealing with addiction issues even if they've made huge changes in other parts of their life so again this comes back to expectations and our expectations of other people and thinking that we need to solve everything before we can move on and life just doesn't work that way it's complex it's gritty it's messy at times and so we have to seize the victories within the mess and even if we feel that's a small victory well if that's what's there within the mess we got to take that you have to take that that victory and that is your baton your torch that you need to carry for the next step you are listening to talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web cfrc.ca if you like great music from the 60s and 70s and good covers listen to frankly speaking music to tickle your memory bone on Fridays at 1 p.m. on CFRC Radio. It's now time for Music and the Mind, where we spotlight addiction, recovery, and the search for the natural high. Welcome back to Talk. I'm your host, Timmy G. Today's Music and the Mind feature is the Beach Boys, but specifically Brian Wilson. If you haven't seen the movie Love and Mercy, I implore you to watch it. If you're someone who has an interest in mental health issues, but you're also a music fan, then this movie is for you. I watched it recently, just maybe a week ago, and since then I've been so captivated by the life and the story of not only the Beach Boys, but as I said specifically, Brian Wilson. When I was younger, I was born in 1976, and so I would say the Beach Boys were not necessarily a band that I would gravitate to as a younger person, but I remember Kokomo and some of the other songs that were out there at the time, and it's only now that I am developing, through doing this show and doing research and learning more about the lives of these musicians and what they've gone through at various points in their life, developed an appreciation for Brian Wilson's genius. So the interesting thing that I've learned through some of the documentaries that I've watched recently, in addition to the movie Love and Mercy, which you need to see if you are interested in mental health and music, is this healthy competition that was going on back between the back in the day between the Beach Boys and the Beatles. So Beach Boys are in California, Beatles are in the UK, and I love this fact. When the Beatles came out with Rubber Soul and Brian Wilson listened to that album for the first time, he was blown away by it. The Beatles were doing things that were changing the landscape of music and altering the course of music production and the style. And so immediately, Brian Wilson, because he was inspired, got on the piano and started writing tunes. He had this healthy sense of wanting to not just create an album similar to Rubber Soul, but to create an album that was better than Rubber Soul. And so he set out to do that. And the album that he came up with 
was called Pet Sounds. And this was during a time in the history of the Beach Boys when Brian Wilson had told the band that he wanted to stay in the studio. He wanted to stop touring with them. He would stay in the studio, write new music, work on it, and when they would come off tour, he would have a whole new set of songs that they could record and rehearse, and then the rest of the guys could take the new songs and new material out on the road. And Brian just felt more at home in the studio. And so this is what began to take place. And when the when Pet Sounds came out, the Beatles heard Pet Sounds. And Paul McCartney remembers, recalls, crying, tears in his eyes, listening to some of the songs on Pet Sounds, feeling so moved by it. And that led the Beatles, what they had what they had discovered through listening to Pet Sounds, it had inspired them to then go create Sgt. Pepper's. And I just find this information fascinating because music is such a compelling corner of our lives. It tells stories about our deepest pain, our greatest upsets, our greatest accomplishments, our greatest loves. And to see this interplay that at that time between the Beatles and the Beach Boys, two of the biggest bands in the world, definitely the Beatles were, uh, can't be overstated how huge the Beatles were. But to develop an appreciation for the genius of Brian Wilson and what he was able to do through his songwriting and composing and arranging of songs, and then to see, you have to see the movie Love and Mercy to truly get an appreciation for the mental health issues that he was contending with. He definitely was dealing with drug and alcohol issues, abuse, but he still, to this day, deals with mental health issues and he's had to learn how to manage this in his life so that he can go on and have good relationships and continue to make music and and be happy enough in this life. So here is a song from Pet Sounds written by Brian Wilson song that made Paul McCartney cry God only knows. You're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you If you should ever leave me Will life still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you
cfrc.ca. If you have any questions or feedback or would like to be featured on the show, please email me at info at timothydgoche.com. That's info at timothydgauther.com. Every Thursday from 7 to 8.30, I facilitate a free drop-in group called MindWell. It's a support group for anybody dealing with burnout, stress, anxiety. Again, that's every Thursday from 7 to 8.30. The address 1111 Taylor Kidd Boulevard at St. Paul the Apostle. Till next week, be smart, be safe. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. to hear the YGK Breakout on CFRC 101.9 FM or CFRC.ca. You'll hear from local artists, Queen's University artists, and a wide range of stories from bands in the area. Learn more about our local up-and-comers on the YGK Breakout on CFRC. AMHS KFLA's vocational services connect employers with skilled workers recovering from mental health challenges. This free program offers individual assessments, job preparation training, and placement. Employers are matched with qualified, reliable workers and receive ongoing support for hires as they lead their lives in positive new directions. For more information, call 613-544-1356 or visit amhs-kfla.ca. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.